Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like-minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human-centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. To go the other way, I'd say that they are also a very convenient excuse to not actually do any research or talk to anybody in the real world because you have this document that gives you authority to make decisions on other people's behalf. And you've got it written there. This is what they're thinking. This is what they're saying. These are these demographics. And you design based on your assumptions, based on those specs. Hello and welcome to This Is 8CD. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a designer, I'm an educator and I'm the host of This Is 8CD based in the wonderful wintry city of Dublin, Ireland. Our goal here is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Earlier today, I caught up with Joe Szapinska, a phenomenal design talent based out of Melbourne, Australia. And Joe sent me an article a while ago about personas. And it was so good that I thought, you know, we should actually do an episode and dig a little bit deeper into this. In this episode, I play the role of devil's advocate and Joe's defending personas as well. Now, look, Joe is one of my favourite people and designers and has such a great design brain and is heavily involved in the co-design space. And I know you're just going to love it. OK, we're going to have a, a blog post that accompanies this. So you'll be able to watch or read the article as you're listening to it as well and hopefully find a lot of value in the episode. Now, if you like what we're doing at This Is HCD, folks, you know what I'm going to say next. Please help us out by leaving a review. It only takes a few minutes and leave a review wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether that be on Spotify, Apple or Google. It really helps the findability of the podcast and really goes some way to helping me out as well. Or you can go one better by supporting me and becoming a patron of the podcast. You can get an ad-free stream of the podcast for as little as €1.66 per month, folks, or €20 a year. And also you get a shout out as thanks in the podcast. There's other plans there where you can get exclusive items too, such as t-shirts and hoodies and notebooks with design for humans on them. And literally all the money goes towards editing, hosting and maintaining our website. It's a repository now for human-centered design goodness with over 230 episodes. So hopefully if you'd like to see This Is 8CD continue, it would be great if you could become a patron. It really helps us out. But let's jump into the episode. Thanks. Joe, great to have you here. Today we're going to be chatting a little bit more about personas uh dun, 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 dun. Dun. yes and, um, personas there's been lots and lots of articles written about personas over the years like alan cooper um you know really put meat on the bones when it came to personas and their value and stuff but today we're going to probably dissect it a little bit further um and really understand their role and also could we potentially even say their future? Is that too big a task on in, in a thirty-five minute podcast? I probably it's, it might be a stretch, maybe thirty-six minutes. We might be able to cover it, but maybe maybe start off. And um, you know, people will be familiar with you from uh, long-time listeners of this is ACA, Joe Shapinska. Um, you've been on the podcast before, but maybe maybe start off and, and tell us about your experience with using persons. Definitely. So I guess in many ways, my experience with personas um, has ranged all the way from inheriting ones, so going to a company and finding some, um, 
which is quite a realisation. I've definitely made a few personas in my time, only a few that I'm really proud of. And then um, I think the most distressing ones was probably watching people make their first persona in many Mm. attempts. Um, It's been one of the most challenging moments of my life, I have to say. Um, watching these imaginary stereotypes come to life of mums with shopping and businessmen with yeah. grey suits, things well, like we, that. What we could do, and I'm just thinking on my feed here a little bit, <clears throat> we could play devil's advocate and I could be, I could play the role of, hey, I actually, I think they're, they they do have a place and they, they do provide value for people in certain organisations and you could probably play Anti version of it, anti persona of my persona. <laughs> the anti persona of the persona. Well, look, I, I don't know. I can kind of, I can agree and disagree with personas, like depending mm. on the day. It, it, it really depends on what the goal of it mm-hmm. really is um, and how terrible they are. Because there are some real bad ones there. There are, but like, you know, let's start off and we'll talk. Um, why they're being used, okay? And I'm going to, again, we're going to play those roles. So like, I'm going to say the reason why I use them, mm-hmm. again, I'm playing a role, folks. This is not neither my my actual yep. belief system here on, on Persona. I believe <clears throat> that Personas are brilliant when you're training to get people who are non-designers up to speed to thinking out of their usual uh, mental model of, um, you know, what, what they, they believe the customer to be. And it becomes a boundary object, uh, which is a kind of a shared perspective on, on what the customer is, you know, thinking, what they're feeling, uh, maybe what their belief systems are, and also what's the behavior that we're trying to change. So I, I think getting people as a first stepping stone into design and thinking outside of their own kind of realm is it's a really positive thing. What do you think of that statement? The other way, I'd say that they are also a very convenient excuse to not actually do any research or talk to anybody in the real world um, because you have this document that gives you authority to make decisions on other people's behalf. Mm. Um, And you've got it written there. This is what they're thinking. This is what they're saying. These are these demographics. And you design based on your assumptions, based on those facts. If we're doing training and we're just trying to get people up to speed and personas and say, okay, create a persona and then they create a persona and it could be from the people within the group and stuff. I always preface that and say they need to be validated and they also need to quote and you need to do the proper research and you bring it back and then what did you learn? What needs to change in the personas and so forth? So if if you're working in an organization and you just kind of work together and you kind of go, okay, now we've got our personas. Phew. That was a tough 90 minute session. Who knew that's all we had to do is create some personas and get a 90 minute session in the calendar. And now we've got six personas. You're only doing 5% of the work there. 95% is going out and actually conducting research to validate them. And, you know, it, that's the hard part. And I think that's a skill and that's a craft. And like yourself, there's probably a handful of times that I've probably really created them. And I'm like, yeah, now I've got. Like now, now I've got something, and they, they take months for me. And I know Indy Young has got a theory that you can do a number of phone calls and get to a certain perspective, but I would challenge that because there's a risk there um, associated with okay, well, we're just doing just a little bit of research on it, and that's enough. Um, whereas to do them thoroughly, mm. it's a full time job, 
in my mind. So what, what do you think, you know, okay. in terms of, am I, am I right in saying that, you know, most organizations will, will understand that? I don't think so. And the reason, I think the reason I, I would disagree with it is because a lot of organizations that I've um, been in and that I've collaborated yeah. with, um, like when I go in there, I often am confronted by personas of decades yeah. past and a whole cacophony of them too. Like at some point I remember running a project where they came out and they were like, oh, here's our personas. Dun, dun, dun. And I think it was 50, 50, 50 yeah. people, 50 people. And what was interesting about it, them as well were each of them were um, you know, kind of groups of four or five for each different service yeah. that this organization had. And none of them kind of really overlapped or had anything to do with one another yeah. um, or interacted really in any way. And so I think in many ways, like that kind of shows me that these things are being made really yeah. quickly they're not necessarily being um, stitched into the fabric or decision-making yeah. process in, in organisations. And they're, you know, also really underutilised. Like if they are really evidence-driven evidence and mm -hmm. they are validated, they're actually a really powerful tool for yeah. teams to be using for commissioning, for design, for evaluation, all sorts of things. So, so if they were done properly and if they were validated um, if they were kind of correctly framed and had people involved in them as as a, an outcome of that kind of process, do you object to them? Oh, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think in <clears throat> some ways, I I would definitely feel more comfortable with them, but I think there's still a part of me that feels the tension of why not just have the person involved in the design process? Okay. So instead of having them represented on a on a slide deck or on a piece yeah. of paper, can't we just invite this community in to design mm. with us? And that's the tension between co-design where you're designing with communities yeah. and, and yeah. human-centered design where you're designing for communities. So each to their own. I'm probably somewhere further down the co-design spike. Yeah. But, which is, which is um, cool. but even if, but often like, having fantastic personas could transform yeah. an organization to They've be done. They have done. community led. It's yeah, part there's, of there's the decades path, of proof you know, there you have to start somewhere. Have, have generated huge value for the organization of centralized thinking. And what I was going to say yeah. is we were talking there about the organizations and they, they do go and they validate them. That's only one part of it, okay? They need to be continuously evaluated, okay? Because everyone is changing, like the way I was yesterday is not the way I am now. And it's it's a lot of work. And typically organizations are on the journey to become more human-centered or the journey to become more design-led. That function has yet to really arrive in the organization. In my experience, in terms of design is still a decorative piece. It's still a thing that... Like, okay, well, that looks a bit kind of crappy. Let's let's see if we can bring a designer in. And then the designer comes in, unfortunately, with a beard and a bald hair and glasses. You know, hopefully you can kill that person off. 
<laughs> myself included. <laughs> but anyway, they, they get the stereotypical designer in for a little period of time. They might do some research, they might do whatever it is, and then they walk away. And they don't have that functionary to really perpetually evaluate them and question them and challenge them. So that was the first thing that you said. And the second thing was, and this is a real problem, um, when you go into a team and they've got, yeah, we've got our six persons there on the wall, and you're like, okay, cool. And then you turn the corner and then there's another team, it could be marketing or it could be <laughs> product management or someone else. Yeah, like, exactly. yeah, we've got the go-getter and we've got, you know, then we've got, got over here, we've got Steve the drama. And Steve the drama is a really outgoing person. He's yeah. an entrepreneur. I'm like, oh my God, they've used a to- totally different perspective. I've got complete, complete, they've got archetypes going on here. And the other person were more jobs to be done. I'm like, but well, then you turn the corner around and then you, yeah. you might have the sales people who've done a design thinking course. And they're like, yeah, we've got our own personas and you've got different hierarchy happening of personas. Mm-hmm. How, how can we get around that? Okay, like how, how can that be challenged? Can it be challenged? Look, can, I think it has to be challenged. I think it has to be challenged. And I think this is both, this is both kind of a power literacy mm-hmm. exercise. It's a, um, you know, it's an org <clears throat> change exercise where the reason everybody has created their own personas is because they see the value of being connected with who they're designing mm. for. So there's definitely an unmet need that these things are yeah. filling. Um, what unfortunately hasn't happened in these cases is that they haven't worked across yeah. the organisation to do it together. And so in some ways each <clears throat> of these um, kind of sets of personas is like one fragment or one element of who their customer actually is. And yeah. so in the projects that I've worked in, it's often, especially when trying to amalgamate them, it's actually been that validation activity of going out and validating personas, which means we can shut some of yeah. these yeah. down for good mm-hmm. and and also kind of grow the ones that are strong into really multi-dimensional <laughs> activities. Like coffee, folks. <laughs> multi-dimensional, sorry. That sounded like I was doing something else, but yeah, it was actually really- my coffee. I was getting distracted. No, <laughs> no really multidimensional yeah. kind of characters that speak and and that speak to not only the marketing team but the finance team, the design yeah. team, the you know, the strategy, like all sorts of elements, and it creates kind of an alignment between yeah. these groups to really serve the needs of the people they want to yeah. be designing for. I mean, if there was a, a function within the organization that had hierarchical kind of power to really control that that's one of the things that typically that is not in place when you see this happening where design is still kind of owned by technology or designed is owned by um, another mm. part of the business it's very hard to challenge that it's almost like if that is happening in your organization you need to step out of your um, hierarchical um, kind of power structure and go above the pay grades and say, listen, look, we've got a problem here. Like everyone's working in different directions. Um, and we need to get these personas aligned. We need to understand the customer. And in order to do that, you need to have pretty strong stakeholder skills. That's my experience. You need to be able to speak to people who aren't designers and, and really sell 
what this can give the organization. Like I, I look to some of my own experience when um, I remember I went into, I won't name the business. It was in, it was in Australia and um, I was taking over a project from somebody and they went in and there was 13 personas on the wall and they were all some slight variants of the same thing, like, you know, and um, they had features like software features requested as part of them and it was like they had the feature Mm -hmm. and then they had okay well this person's asking for that one so we need to get that one done and suddenly there was a if the persona was on the wall and there was a feature request requested within the persona that was one way to get it into the funnel and said okay well we need to get it into the backlog Mm. What are the common things that you're seeing? Like, oh, I could probably, I could probably go down a rabbit hole here and, and start getting myself angry, and I'd start crying in a minute. <laughs> we don't want that. But what are the common things that you see within personas that uh, people are doing wrong? That people are doing it wrong. Well, look, I think the first part that I see happening a lot is that personas are made. A very long time ago, sometimes three or four generations of a design team <clears> ago, and nobody really understands why they are the way they are yeah. um, and how they came to be. Um, and so actually one of the biggest mistakes is having an old persona that's never been updated. Mm. Um, and it doesn't take much to kind of interrogate it right now everything has changed for so many people in the last couple of years. How is this persona still relevant now is something that we should be asking before applying um, them as a tool. So let's talk about that now. Again, I'm I'm playing my role-playing here, like, you know, um, how often should they be evaluated? I think it really would depend on what type of business you're in because I think some areas are obviously going to be government. Because you're designing for For government. There's no such thing as designing for everyone. Um, I think there is um, for government, look, I, you know, finger in the air, I would say at least every five years. At least? At least. I was going to say every six months. At least. Minimum. Well, that would be ideal, right? So so the goal, like the ultimate goal would be, you know, starting off with personas that are at least regularly mm. looked at and it's on your, on your cycle to kind of review and design them. But then, you know, you want to kind of move towards it being really based on real-time data yeah. and need. So, so the like, you know, whether or not that lives in a persona or whether or not that lives adjacent to a persona, like many of the circumstances around their life might not mm. be changing, but there might be things that are becoming more prominent or less prominent yeah. depending on what's going on in the world and, and around One of the things that when I say about evaluating the personas, um, people who create the personas, if they're still there, evaluating them is a big mistake um okay because yeah no don't don't no, let I, them do that and again great. I, i'm not going to be <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the uh the host folks so um 
how, how and why should that not happen? Well, obviously, there's an issue of bias. Bias! Um, and there's a, an, <laughs> and an issue of, I guess, yeah. just almost knowing too much about them in order to any, be able to meaningfully interrogate or change them Absolutely. at that point, right? Um, <clears throat> and, like, if you have made personas in the past and had some pretty prickly stakeholders like the final design of your persona might actually be something you personally despise mm. but you're, you you won't will no longer change it because you yeah. knew how hard it was to make them in the, in the, the first place from like the organization. it's one of those don't ask yeah, don't tell yeah, um so i think in many ways evaluation of personas could take many lenses and if you do have like a UX kind of hat on, you could genuinely test them and see whether or not people can make a great decision or a great design yeah. out based so on them. Evaluating them, um, how I do it and in my experience, and again, I'd love to get your perspective on that, like um, is do they show up and how often do they show up um, is, you know, one way to throw them against the wall. Um, mm-hmm. like when was the last time you heard this? You know that that's how I look at it and say, well, let's quantify it and let's let's see. There might be a case of doing some straw men um, or straw people, should we say, um, personas and put them up on the wall and say, well, let's, let's challenge mm-hmm. them. Let's let's see how these people have changed and mm-hmm. evolved. How do you do it? Ah, uh, look, I think so. For me, how I I have evaluate them and how I've been doing it lately is actually taking my embarrassing personas if they aren't too embarrassing if they're kind of relevant but need a refresh I take them out into community and I get them to rebuild them what that tends to do is add layers to them so it kind of often in the healthcare space which is where I tend to work it starts putting in the social determinants Mm. of health we start hearing a little bit about their housing situation. We start talking about access and accessibility. Um, we have discussions about finance and other things that, you know, might not be a feature that you're looking for, but actually help you uh, kind of communicate better and also um, get a full-fledged picture of their universe, really. Um, so that's how I would evaluate them. Given so there, the there might be some people listening to this who are working in enterprise or um, even in government as well. And they're like, okay, well, I'm trying to do this. Joe, very, very sort of a inspirational person here on this podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it out to community. Walk me through in as many details as possible. And I mean, you know, <laughs> getting the bus tapping your card i want to know everything what that means okay so you you walk into an organization me and you side by side they're like everyone is like here comes trouble here's the two of them they're going to be evaluating the personas and bringing them out to community so um what do you do and like how do you set that up and how many people are involved and how do you make sure that the people in the room are actually going to actually make the process better and not just make it go skewy and messy and all that kind of stuff all the good stuff. Definitely, definitely. So I guess um, I can run you through a real example of one yeah. that we did. So um, 
So the first step, obviously, is to do a little bit of groundwork. So firstly, you don't want to be wasting anybody's time by going out to evaluate personas that you know are already fundamentally kind of disproven. Um, And so there's a little bit of legwork, um, probably working with a data team or working with some, you know, um, secondary research to kind of validate whether or not these people actually exist or whether or not they were just a figment of of the imagination or a two-hour workshop that kind of turned out quite cool, you know. So there's the investigation of the process, there's the kind of validation Mm -hmm. of the data um, and kind of updating the data. So, for example, in one of my projects we found that somebody who was a, um, you know, a frequent and... uh, and really um, critical user of like a healthcare service, had a refugee background, lived in a certain yeah. suburb, um, was artistic and something else. Like we found some random data that seemed to point that this person was a demographic that really needed support from mm-hmm. a specific service. Um, and so what we did after that was genuinely looked for this person so we went through the networks um we we kind of put the word out that this is who we're looking for and using the data that we had found we listed kind of what the elements which are really the elements in your persona right like some key kind of themes or structures that you wanted to talk about um and so we found this person this amazing person lived and existed and actually um, was currently didn't have a home and was, uh, you know, going through some pretty tough times out in that suburb. Um, and so we ran an interview with them. So firstly we mm. ran an so, interview yeah. one-on-one. I was just going to say, so you say you found that person. So usually we found the personas that person. are made up of maybe... 12 or 20 different perspectives and there's a theme brought out so when you say the persona was just one person i know that people listening are kind of going what um yeah what yeah so we went kind of inverse on it yeah so so we were kind of data driven to find the Mm. person and then we found the person um and so for us, I guess the challenge there was, you know, helping this person tell <clears> their story. And for us, our our kind of how we wanted to design our persona was more narrative driven. So what we made were kind of quick sound bites of their story with some um, kind of key points for people yeah. to reflect on. Um and so we got them to tell their story, and in many ways, the persona became those sound snippets. So you used audio of of what they audio. said. Yeah, audio. So, th- audio and illustration, um, and in some ways, they designed the persona. It's their story that's the persona. So, did you use now. diary studies to? But it was based on was a diary studies one. a method that you used to capture, or not even capture, but just gather. Um, their narrative you you definitely yeah. could you definitely could for us we just had a few interviews okay. with that one person um but what was with that one person and what we did do which 
is mm. interesting is like we would send them back the drafts of who yeah. we had made and they would kind of critique yeah. them just like in any design critique. Um, and so in the end we had like a series of these video snippets yeah. um, as our personas um, that people could slice up and use as provocations for their design and decision-making okay. process. So there's very little I don't like about that process. But one one kind of, again, I'm playing my role again here, folks, but, like, but that's only mm -hmm. one person. How can you how can you lay your hat on that? Like, you know, if there's only one person, that's not a theme. That's just one person. Are you designing it for just them? What do you say to that? I would say we actually had set service usage data to validate that this one person's experience was common to a few thousand okay. others. Um, and so in many ways, that's how we found them. We located them using the data and then we took what we heard and we right. validated that using kind of service so usage data. So they weren't an data. edge case. Um, and you could, they weren't an edge case, but they seemed out of control. Like when you were, when you were listening to them, you know, it was hard to believe that somebody's life story could be so complex yeah. to be completely yeah. honest. But I think in many ways for us, um, what was good about this project is it actually is something that is now going to be used um, to determine which tenders are successful for government okay. services, for government health services. And so many of these personas are actually provocations for people to tell us how they're going to meet the needs of this okay. community. So it's like having it simple actually probably would have limited the effect of these particular mm. stories and personas. So that all sounds brilliant. Like, you know, um, if you're, if you're an organization though, that have got the paper ones up there and you've got the picture of the, uh, the person blowing petals into the wind, and, um, <laughs> you know, yep. you know the, the royalty, Women smiling at salad <laughs> is my favorite one. I pull that one out okay. where I'm like, is that a real thing? Is this really a cultural phenomenon that I don't know about? I'm missing out on. Yeah, I mean, like when I'm, when I'm teaching, I've got a, a UX course and this is 8 City, and that's not me trying to sell it, folks. But one of the things that I do is, is the, the difference in approaches to personas, the three different types, and how you can actually make a decision of each one of them, the different perspectives and how they can actually send you in different directions. Um, and I mean, that's, that's really how I determine, is it, is it effective? Is it good? Is it good for the organization? How often are they being used to stress test the decision-making process? I mean, if you're not doing that, throw them away because they're just, they're just on the wall and they're just bloody decorations. <laughs> <laughs> but like Christmas decorations, except Christmas decorations get taken down in January, and the personas get to live on and just kind of—they don't do anyone a favor. They don't do haunt anyone a favor you. if that's how you. They haunt, haunt you. you. They do. Their eyes follow you around the room, like you know, you're not really using me, <laughs> are you? And I'm like, no, we're not. I mean, um, you've written like the reason why we're doing this is because you know, in typical Joe Shabitska style, they sent me a message. Um, maybe two years ago, 
so that's a while ago now. I, I found this in my inbox, and I was like, did you just send this? And they're like, oh, I did. I sent it again. I just found it. And I wrote this article on Personas a couple of years ago. I'm like, and I just wanted to share it to you to see what you think. And I'm like, this is cool. I said it because <clears throat> even if you are a huge lover of personas and you disagree with some of these things, that's cool. We just want to have the conversation about it. And I think we need to have conversations more about the methods that we use, why we're using them. Is this the effective one? Because we can just become so in love with, you know, doing things the same way. And it doesn't have to be that way. So we got that article. We're, we're, we're going to publish it, aren't we, Joe? We're going to put it on thisisacd.com. Are you sure? Ah, but you've yes. got other you you've got other thinkings <laughs> on this. You're gonna um, we're we're gonna share them out as well. Um, maybe in, in the next couple of months. But the plan is every time we do a, a blog post, we have something to accompany the, uh, the actual uh, podcast as well, so you can follow along. You you put a test up there, which I really loved. Um, a persona quiz. Um. And there's a few other things in there, like, you know, does your persona have a problem and how you might be able to mend them and stuff. So your stuff, the reason why we connected years ago was whenever you do anything, Joe, it always seems to be really helpful, really valuable. <laughs> um, and my last question about personas is, um, is that the case with personas? Are they always valuable and are, are they always helpful in, in your mind? Have they ever had a role in your life? I think they, they've definitely had had a really powerful role, especially when I was starting out my design mm. career. I guess in many ways personas then gave me the confidence to advocate for people and yeah. for communities. Like I had this artifact and it made me feel confident and I could go in there and I could you know say you know what this isn't good enough we have to make this better we have to design it like this or we need to learn more about this Mm. you know it was like Dumbo and the feather the feather was my persona and I was there and it gave me the courage to be the designer in the room going have we listened and have we done a good job I think in many ways I feel like um, that's kind of the strength of them. Um, the challenge is if you are in an organisation and you've just inherited some pretty suspicious or not quite right yeah. personas where decisions are being made um, for communities, um, for people on their behalf, but they aren't yeah. real people. And they're not based on data or they're outdated. And so we're really, not only are we missing the opportunity to um, make great decisions, but we're also in some ways, you know, gatekeeping Mm. um, more deeper design research because we've got this piece of paper that says, yes, but Dan, you know, what's his name, says he loves pop-ups. I mean, most people <laughs> listen to this. Like, there's a there's a pretty mature audience, um, which I'm learning more and more about. Hello, mature audience. Um, but most of the people will get the value of doing research. I believe um, they will do the research, mm. and then hopefully they'll distill some insights, and some actions from that research. Mm. And they've kind of forgotten about these personas. They don't they don't match it back. So, like at a project mm. level, they do the research. 
And yeah, the personas definitely. are kind of like just these stepping stones that have, they're in graves mm. almost in, in within a, a, like a jeer or a confluence or something. They're not really actionable. Yeah. Um, how how and um, what do you think they should do in that instance? So they just kill them off and say, okay, well let's let's you know bring them back to life or to take a different approach. What's your th- what's your thought on that? Well, I guess they've got kind of a few options. Like in some ways, um, I think there's a huge opportunity to um, kind of build out and deepen existing personas with the research that you're currently yeah. doing. Um, like why not just iterate over the top mm. or augment them? Like that's that's pretty that's pretty quick yeah. and easy kind of win. I think the other option is, you know, um, kind of shifting more towards um, walking, getting away from the personas, but kind of taking the best bits of what personas mm. can do and just making sure that the research that you do is shared yeah. broadly does it does enable decisions like is written in a way that can help provoke people to make decisions that are great or um, designs that are guided by mm. needs. Um, and so like, that's the other thing I think in many ways personas just because of how they're designed are excellent communication yeah. tools um, and abstraction kind of lenses to understand something. So, you know, how can we make sure that, the research that you're currently doing can be applied just like personas would yeah, in the real absolutely. world. There's there's a whole host of stuff that we could probably uh, tackle in future episodes. Um, so maybe when we get to do the um, the other blog posts and episodes, we'll, we'll take those. If you've got any questions about anything that we've spoken about here, you can just email in on the, the link is on the, the website and I'll share it to Joe. Um, alternatively, if people want to reach out to you, Joe, are you on Mastodon now, or are you still all in on Twitter? I am. I am somewhere yeah, we'll in there. A link to both of those because I think most <laughs> people that I know, anyway, are, are kind of like they're in both camps at the moment. They're kind of like you know, not sure what to do, waiting. Um, who knows what's <laughs> going to happen on Twitter? It could be a, you know, a ball of fire in the next week. Um, so Mastodon is, is growing uh, design community over there. I'm on there as well, and Joe's on there, and there's loads of other great people up there as well. Um, and it seems to be much more reactive. What's your thoughts so far in terms of getting in touch with people and getting responses and stuff? Oh, definitely. I think I'm actually making a whole new group of friends yeah, actually same. on on Mastodon, same. which is great. It's really cool. Um, it's like the early days of Twitter. If anyone remembers the early days of Twitter, I feel like a dinosaur when I say that. But it is like when you would tweet something <laughs> and you get a response, and you're like, oh, okay, I don't know there. They look interesting. And then you start a conversation, and before you know it, you have <laughs> new friends, like, you know. But, um, Joe, listen, look, thanks for giving me your, your time and energy this morning, um, your evening, obviously, here in Melbourne. Um, but we'll put a link to the, the blog post in this um, in the show notes. And again, looking forward to catching up with you when we release the next uh, couple of blog posts and podcasts. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you. You're a brilliant show. There you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. 
And if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more, why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening.